Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program on this Tuesday morning, the 6th of February, wherever you got us on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney. Thanks for your company and, of course, on the SEN app. A bit of a wet start to the morning. Showers around Sydney today becoming windy as well with a top of 27. Questions, questions, questions this morning over the next three hours. We've got plenty and I want plenty of yours to come my way as well on 0457 736 736. That's the text line, of course, or you can have your say on the open line if that's easier, 1300 01 1170. Dan Walsh from the Sydney Morning Herald has posed a few questions this morning. I'll catch up with Dan in about half an hour's time, but he's done an article on the main question your club needs answered in the trials coming up, or if you're the Panthers, well, the World Club Challenge. So for Penrith, Dan's question, how do they manage this year's marquee exits? Management always seems to be a key topic for the wildly successful Penrith Panthers. For the Rabbitohs, where are their heads at? For the Dragons, what to do with Zach Lomax? For the Roosters, what does Robbo do with his backline riches? And for the Tigers, for example... Dan's question is, who starts in the halves? So let's start there with the question that you have for your club this year. Not just the trials, but right throughout the year. Tommy said to me just before we started this morning, what about you, Matty, for Manly? And the obvious question for Manly is, does Tom Turbo stay fit? Now, we don't know the answer to that. And, of course, you want to see every player go through the season. My question would be, what if he doesn't? What's the plan? Except for, uh uh-oh, our season's in trouble. So that would be my big question. What if there is an injury hiccup with the star player at your club? Let me know your question this morning for your club this year. And we'll expand on that with Dan Walsh from the Sydney Morning Herald soon. From ESPN, Phil Murphy's going to join us. So we're counting down now to Super Bowl 58, folks. Chiefs v 49ers. I've been scanning all the social media, everything that's starting to gain Warp speed over there. Both teams arriving in Las Vegas. So Monday night, it'll be 5 p.m. What is it? Just gone 5 p.m. Vegas time right now. The interview sessions at Allegiant Stadium start to take place. So we will check out what's been happening, who's saying what, with Phil Murphy from ESPN. And SEN's very own Daniel Garb will have the reaction to Mark Rudin's show cause notice for ripping into A-League officials post-match. It was an absolute beauty, but now, of course, it may land him in trouble. Plus, I'll get to this soon, the vision for the A-Leagues that has been outlined in the newspapers this morning. 
Football fans, I need your knowledge. I need your opinion and I need your thoughts here. Now, we cover lots of football, lots of soccer here on this program and we have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to those who have played the game, commentate the game, experts in the game. But I've got some questions here around the vision for the A-Leagues that I want your input on. I don't live in football world, so I want you to dive into that. And Adam White will join us as he prepares with the SEN team to take us through the third ODI this afternoon and this evening at Canberra where the weather's a little bit sketchy. A few thunderstorms around. Hopefully they get a good game and a good crowd there. Ben McDermott has been called into the squad to replace the injured Matt Short. Uh, the best caller today will win a Signet Boost power bank on 1300-01-1170. So fire in with any question that you've got. Joey Manu is open to leaving the Roosters, but to nowhere else but Rugby Union. So he's spoken about the challenges ahead, of course, with James Tedesco contracted for this year and next. Does Joey Manu wait uh, one more year to play fullback or does he go off to Rugby Union? Well, he's told Channel 9 and he's spoken to Dan Walsh that he won't be playing for another NRL fr franchise and could switch to the 15-minute code. I've been here for, for a long time now and Roosters is pretty much home for me. If I'm playing rugby league, I'm here and, and the Roosters, I'm not too sure what I end up doing. But yeah, rugby is just a challenge. It's just something different, something new. If I go play rugby, then I'm focused on rugby, not really going coming back sort of thing. Yeah, I think obviously the All Blacks would be pretty cool. <laughs> They'll be like, obviously that's a Kiwi's dream. It's just the option to try challenging myself. I think for any player, that's where they grow as a player, as a person. 15-man code. I think I said 15-minute code, but you get the drift there. So Joey Manu speaking openly about where he would go if it wasn't going to be sticking around at the Sydney Roosters and it won't be another club. The Broncos are chipping away at possibly, you got to think, putting together a, a dynasty down the line here, if not earlier. Ezra Mam has agreed essentially to a $3 million-plus extension on his contract. So it's a big big signing and it keeps the Dolphins in particular at bay and it's also part of a two-pronged plan to upgrade Reese Walsh. Mad to let him go, they won't want to go anywhere else but the money will be astronomical. So they're in the final stages, the Bronx of rubber stamping a four or five year deal that sees Ezra Mam stay there until at least the end of 2028. What do you think about that? Shane Flanagan has essentially said to Dragons fans, 2024, let's just cool our jets. Let's hold fire here. Our focus is 2025, says Flano. We've made some changes this year and we're still looking for some players, but our real focus will be for 2025 and 2026. It's a pragmatic approach to exactly where they're at. And we often criticise players and officials and coaches for, for playing the game here and trying to massage the message. Well, this is straightforward. It also takes a lot of expectation and pressure off the club itself, the players, and the new coach there. Andrew Webster has said this morning, now that's different, as in our Webby, a coach admitting before the season starts not to expect too much. May as well book that trip to the Maldives. In September, Dragons fans, he says, not much doing at home. But Flanagan's candour is to be admired. This is the first year, says Webby, of the club's most important rebuild. It doesn't have too many left to get it right before fans start walking away. So what do you think, Dragons fans? Do you agree with Shane Flanagan's assessment first up, the fact that he said it out loud to you and that Webby likes it? 
Are you happy with 2024 being a hold it, folks? It's not a write-off year. It's a hold it, folks. Let's just not get ahead of ourselves. Pragmatic or playing the message? As I mentioned, cricket getting underway this afternoon at Canberra. India ended up winning that second test against England. Our update here for Edgewater Homes, build with confidence. So England started day four, needing 332 more runs to win. One for 67 they were at. And the question was, two days left, do they do basball, go hard, try and get the runs, live up to their philosophy? It was always going to be hard. They were bowled out for 292. So India have the win by 106 runs, and the series is now tied at one all. Jasper Bumrah was named man of the match with match figures of nine for 91. And there are some big names coming back in for India for the third test. Rahul Jadeja and one Virat Kohli coming back in. Thanks to Edgewater Homes Mortgage Fund, up to $1,500 a month. You can get off your home loan for two years and T's and C's apply. Now, this article this morning on the A-Leagues by Emma Kemp in the Sydney Morning Herald and having a good chat to Nick Garcia and Independent Chair Stephen Conroy, who's a former federal minister. I just want to break this apart if you haven't seen it. A-League's bosses have broken their silence on last month's mass staff redundancies, taking responsibility for the lack of public communication and pledging to get back to basics by serving core A-League fans while slowly building a financially sustainable organisation. Three weeks, reports Emma, after the APL made almost half of its 80-odd workforce redundant, new Commissioner Nick Garcia, Independent Chair Stephen Conroy have outlined their latest vision for the future. The overarching point here, said Nick Garcia, is we're a football business, not a media business. That instantly got my attention. Now, no, they're not a media business, absolutely not. Yes, they are a football business, but they're in the entertainment business, surely. And that's got to be one of the key starting points, I would think, for Nick Garcia and those in charge of the A-Leagues at this time. You have to admit that you're in the entertainment business. There's no doubt about it. The first thing about the A-League strategy, said Nick Garcia, is it leads with a football strategy, and that is about being really clear about the sort of league you are. I wonder if the question is, how many cracks at it do they need? How many resets can the A-League have? Another quote, in the men's, we're a development league, first and foremost, which is true. In the women's league, we're potentially a destination league in Asia, but much more focused on retaining the great national team players rather than attracting international players. But over everything, we're about developing stars of the future. So this is where I'm getting a little bit mixed up here, folks, on the mis mixed messaging. Are they being clear here? They want to be really clear about the sort of league that they are. But in the next sentence, we're a development league. We're potentially a destination league for the women's but we're focused on keeping our players rather than attracting international players. The messaging is really mixed. The Keep Up platform has been shelved. They've gone digital trying to, selling the uh, trying to sell more of the local leagues, information and engagement through aleagues.com.au. Heavy criticism around that, but you have to get that right. And then Stephen Conroy, the former federal minister, referenced the NBL as an example of finding its niche in a crowded sporting landscape. And he talks about what Larry Kesselman, the owner 
of the NBL has been able to successfully do, says Stephen Conroy, create local superstars picked up in the NBA draft. I think we can learn from what Larry's done at NBL. It was a basket case and he turned it around. The NBL has created a domestic product that knows exactly what it is and its place with international reach. They don't just create local superstars to be picked up in the NBA draft. They don't just operate a league so we can all go to the airport and wave them goodbye. That's part and parcel of a successful league for sure. But the NBL puts entertainment first and foremost, I would argue. Fans are the ones paying for tickets, for memberships and for subscriptions because they love the sport, they play the sport, but they want to be entertained by the sport. So my question for you football fans with all of that and my thoughts around it, what do you want the A-Leagues to be? What do you want from your professional domestic league in soccer? Football in this country. 0457 736 736. Let me know. You can see what they're trying to do here. They've been in all sorts of drama. They've had to get rid of a whole lot of staff and it's another start again. I wonder how many resets they can have, but I wonder if they know exactly what you want. And I want to hear what you want this morning. As a non-football fan who's reporting on it and hearing from the experts about it, what I want is clarity. I want to know what you want to be. And then I know what I'm going to pay for and whether or not I'm going to buy a subscription and whether or not I'm going to go digital and have a look. Or am I just going to stand here and go, well, we're really good if we get players get signed up by Manchester United. Does that make us a good league? I don't think so. It makes us successful around the world and it has its benefits. But is it going to put bums on seats? I'm not sure. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line number. Paramat was straight on. He said, Matt, did you just say the 15-minute code? <laughs> That's pretty close enough to the mark. That's about how long the ball in play count is, isn't it? No, yeah, I know. It, it was a slip of the tongue as I was getting to Joey Manu and I referenced it as the 15-man code on the way back. But you know which way I was going. I was wondering who was going to have the say in Paramat. You were first cab off the rank on that one. So plenty of questions this morning, folks. Let's open it right up here. Send me a text or pick up the phone if that's easier. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is my open line number. SEN 1170 AM right here, your home of sport. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is the open line number. Uh, the big G says, Matty, you've let me down. I thought out of the host on SEN, you would at least mention the mess at Erebus, a championship winning team. This is supercars, folks, who have lost their championship winning driver and three major sponsors with potentially more to follow. Yeah, Big G, we've, we've covered this one, and I'll continue to cover it. So you must have missed it at the back end of last week. Um, you're right. What you've said is exactly what's happening. Driver, at this stage, gone for one round, but gone. Um, sponsors going. All sorts of mess going on. And nobody wants to put their hand up. Plenty of people, Big G, are putting their hand up in this scenario, saying there's more to come. So everyone knows about it but nobody wants to speak about it. So until we can find out somebody who wants to give us the details around it, um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm with you. If you want to give me a call and throw some questions at me, or if you've got some questions, if you can't, just text them through, mate, and I'll do my best to answer them. Let's go to the open line. Hey, Gary from Newtown, we're talking about questions that you've got for your club in the trials and this season. Now, what have you got for Parramatta? 
What I've got for Parramatta, because it's a long, brutal season, I think Brad's got to utilise his bench better to look after the starting pack, which is a good starting pack. But I think the season's too long for that pack. So if he can nail the interchange, I, I think they'll be competitive week in, week out. I think that, and it's very important for Brad, because if he doesn't make the eight, he's no good thing of being there next season. So that's my mm. tip for Brad. I think it's good a good on you, one mate. too, because... I, I, I think it's very important because it, I think, Maddie, can I just say this? I think it's an, it, look, it's a tough, tough comp without a doubt, but I still yep. only think these two teams can win the comp. If you look, if that's a yardstick last grand final, I don't see many, many teams scoring 20 points when, when, the, when the game matters, with, mm. you know, in the big games. I don't see it. So I, I still think Brisbane and, and the Panthers are, are good things to be there again. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Right, I think who knows? That's the gift of rugby league. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Dan's article this morning and his question, Dan Walsh, and we'll speak to him soon. Who's the number one, uh, number nine, rather, for the Eels? He says, Parramatta have more than $2 million in the halves with Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown as their attacking focal point. But given Brad Arthur sees his hooking options as 80-minute players, the toss-up, between Joey Lussick and Brendan Hands at number nine is an important one, as their service for Moses and Brown, as well as their defence, needs to go the distance. Hands helped straighten Parramatta's attack at times in an impressive, impressive debut year before Lussick was preferred by season's end. And they've been sparring for that starting spot ever since. Do you agree with that one? One of the key questions for the Parramatta Eels, who's the number nine, or do you agree with Gary's take on this 10th in the 2023 season 12 wins and 12 losses 1300 01 is the open line number or 0457 736 736 that text line number so the question that you've got for your club this year let let's pose them this morning on the question around the a-league and the vision and whether or not the mixed messages and what do you want from the a-league now, first texter says, Maddie, I want a good football product that's not the best league in the world, but rather a league with full stadiums, entertaining, attacking football and storylines. We've got one of those, says our listener. There's a heap of storylines for those looking. But it's the other two the APL need to get right. Entertaining and attacking football. So you want your full stadiums? You want that league with full stadiums? How do you get that? Not by sending out mixed messages, in my opinion, but by, as exactly as you're saying on this text, entertaining, attacking football. The storylines are there. Storylines in sport are always there. you just got to scratch the surface. And there's some wonderful stories. We all know. But the entertainment part, as you put in your text to our listener, no name on that one, is bang on. Matty, the only time, says Matt, I've ever had interest in the A-League was when we had the marquee players, Dwight York, um, ADP and the like. Geez, even the Usain Bolt experiment got my interest. I've forgotten about that. I'm sure I'm not the only one with this opinion. So there's, a, there's another one, marquee players. Again, we've got plenty of stars. But from what I read in that article this morning, it's almost like, okay, we're going to judge ourselves on being successful by kind of doing what the NBL has, which is making sure that we have enough stars so they get taken by a draft and off they go overseas. That is an outcome of a successful league. That's not what makes a successful league. So players that are marquee, entertaining football and the storylines.
There's a couple of our answers already. Flanagan should be judged purely, says Dragon Boy NZ, on the Dragons' improvement. Players like Lomax and Sloan should reach their potential, then build from there. Yep, I'd agree with that, and there's a lot of that going on. It's reverse psychology, says Martin, in the Wayne Bennett mould. I doubt he'd be publicly letting his team know that 2024 holds no promise. I'm more confident than others because I know the team will be much fitter with him in charge. Thank you for that, Martin. So the reverse psychology is, is definitely a part of it, no doubt about it. And Flano is very savvy, has spent a lot of time in the media at this network and others. So he's very savvy about all that kind of stuff. But how does this resonate in the dressing sheds? Is it a different story or is it one of those ones where it's, let's take the pressure off you guys? You know what? You might have been playing the last couple of years because you've had pressure galore on you. So let's leave that to me says Shane Flanagan. Leave it to me, boys. I'll take it off. I'll take the hits. I'll stand in front and take the bullets. You guys worry about football. Is it that or is it the reverse psychology question? The Granville Snapper says for Manly, his biggest question is Schuster. How many games will he play and do the hard work? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a short-termer, I reckon, especially. But I'll speak to Dan Walsh about that from the Sydney Morning Herald. That chat coming up Straight after our news break, remember, come and give me your questions this morning. one 300 is the open line. Let's have a two-way conversation. If you've got questions about what's going on at Erebus in supercars, the guy who's the defending champion won't be there for the opening round of the season, possibly for the entire season. What a big story that has been, and it continues to bubble along. Or 0457 736 736, that's my text line. Stick around, news is coming up. And then we'll chat with Dan Walsh from the Sydney Morning Herald. Right, let's talk footy. The season start is getting closer, of course. The countdown to Vegas. Before that, trials, pre-season and World Club Challenge to come. And this morning in the Sydney Morning Herald, Dan Walsh has written an article, The Question Your NRL Club Wants Answered in the February Trials. So let's elaborate on that this morning with Dan, who's on the line. Morning, Dan. You've picked your way through the teams here and the questions most likely to be answered. So w was there one in particular that jumped out at you? Morning, Matty. Uh, oh, mate, there's plenty all over the place, isn't there? Uh, personally, pretty fascinated by how the Dragons go in terms of Shane Flanagan getting into the place. Very passionate fan base, as we know. And he's making some changes. And I think we'll see some of those play out across Across these next three weeks, it's throughout the trials. Uh, namely, for me, uh, Zach Lomax is a fascinating one in terms of uh, they had a scrimmage against Manly uh, last Friday, and granted, it was just a scrimmage. You can't overplay that. But uh, Zach Lomax ran around on the wing, which is uh, quite interesting in terms of we've seen him at right centre for a long time. We've heard him talked about at fullback. Potentially, it looks like Tyrrell Sloan's going to get the nod there. So, uh, yeah, a real it's a fascinating watch as to where Zach Lomax, one of the Dragons' highest-paid players and one of their best players, where he lines up throughout February and then into March. Yeah, as you point out this morning, it is an intriguing situation into that one. It's a good word and and also one that won't be resolved in the preseason. But um, we will know, like you say a bit more by the end of them. While we're talking the Dragons, I referenced this earlier. Webby's written an article this morning um, pointing out that Shane Flanagan has said, look, our focus is 2025. 
In a couple of days, Flano has tipped Manly to win the comp and said, hey, Dragons fans, let's cool our jets. Do you like or don't like this kind of approach? Uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And you can see that Flano's spent a couple of years in the media. He's probably picked up a few <laughs> things about how to play storylines there. Uh, I think I like the fact that he's being realistic because let's be realistic. I don't think that Dragons roster on face, on value, everyone fit across the NRL. They're not in my top eight on paper. And so I like the fact that he's being realistic and, yeah, basically trying to buy, yeah, setting some expectations there and giving himself a bit of time and, yeah, looking after his players a little bit because the last thing that club needs is someone to come out and say, we'll be pushing, we'll be top eight. That'll be a failure if we don't make it because... This is a long-term rebuild for the Dragons. I don't think anyone can pretend it's not. What about the Roosters? You asked the question this morning, what does Robbo do with his backline riches? Dominic Young arrives. Joey Manu, Joseph Suali'i, Daniel Tupo, Billy Smith, all jostling for four spots in the three-quarter line. Yeah, that's another really good... It's, geez, it's a good backline, isn't it, Matty? Uh, for me... I, I'm genuinely torn. Uh, I actually got to have a chat with Joey Manu yesterday and we touched on, spoke about uh, rugby that's in the offing for him and what he's doing there. But the other side of things that we spoke about, that back line, and he said they've the guys have been training, they've each been trialling out different positions. Uh, from It sounds like Joey will keep that right centre spot where he's been the, the game's best centre for the last few years. But then he said he, himself and Joey Suwali'i especially have been moving around that back line a little bit. So I think Robbo still wants to... He wants to know exactly how it's going to line up. Uh, I think maybe Billy Smith, despite him having such a good year, for mine, he was one of the best centres towards the back end of the season in the competition. The game before he broke his jaw uh, in around that final series, he, he was man of the match and dominated South Sydney. But I think just... Maybe to start, he might be the unlucky man out. Uh, the thing about a rugby league season is, though, it's, what are we now, 27 rounds? They'll all get a go sooner rather than later. Something will come up, and that backline depth, it'll be worth its weight in gold. On your chat with Joey Manu, so he's saying, look, if he's going to leave the Roosters, it's only to rugby union. What does he do here? James Tedesco still contracted for this year and next so Joey Manu, if he wants to play fullback, is going to have to hang around this year and next. What's your gut feel? Again, I genuinely don't know, Matty. Uh, speaking to him, the one thing I... He couldn't have been more or more emphatic that he won't play against the Roosters. And I get the feeling you could drive a truckload of money up to Joey Manu's door. You would not get him in another NRL jumper. It just... That was the message he got home. And then it was really interesting in terms of... He didn't shy away from rugby at all. He spoke about the challenge of it. I get the feeling playing fullback isn't the be-all and end-all for him in rugby league. Of course, it's more... There is just naturally more money in fullback, but I genuinely think he's happy to bide his time. And he looks up to James Tedesco. He spoke about his admiration for him, like everyone else at the club. So I think in terms of... Rugby and NRL, it is 
he he just kept coming back to the challenge of pushing himself in rugby. And this is a guy with two premierships, Golden Boot winner. Uh, yeah, he's a walk-up start for New Zealand. He's one of the best in the code. It might sway him across, or he might just find it too hard to leave the Roosters. I honestly don't know, and I don't think Joey knows at this point either. Some of the other clubs, Dan, um, before I let you go, the Bulldogs, I guess there's a, there's a general question here for the Bulldogs. Is there in the trials? And it's who lands where for Cameron Serraldo? Yeah, that, they, so their first game is uh, Feb 15, I think, on a Thursday night down at Belmore, which just sounds fantastic, doesn't it, uh, against the Storm. So it'll be a decent hit out. And, yeah, it'll be great to see who turns out, where Cameron Serraldo you know, who he prioritises and what sort of combinations he goes with. Uh, Stephen Crichton's a fascinating one for me in terms of if Joey Manu's the best centre in the game, I'd argue Stephen Crichton's the man who goes closest to him in terms of pushing him for that title. Uh, and yet, I'd, you know, you think they've signed him on fullback money and to play fullback originally. So I don't think you can lose with Stephen Crichton there. It's what is best for your team in terms of uh, do you look at a Connor Tracy in the centres instead, or is it a Blake Taff at fullback? Uh, there's just so many options for him there, and then and I've only spoken about three of well, I think there's the best part of half a dozen guys who can play half a dozen positions. And again, I don't think we'll know. I don't think Cameron Seraldo will know uh, hard and fast by the end of the trials, but we'll definitely get a look at what he's thinking for that round one start. The Seagulls, it's often said that their season hinges on, on Tom Trebojevic in particular, being fit going all the way through. The pre-season focus, however, on Josh Schuster and everything that's been going on leading up to this point. Is it all about um, Schuster in the, in the short term here? Yeah, I should, uh, for the next couple of weeks, I think so, yeah. And the thing with Josh is... We all know he's got all the talent in the world, but Manly are managing him very carefully that because of the headlines that are around him, the pressure that comes on him. They're wary of this, this kid getting knocked around a bit and his confidence getting a dent because he is a, he is a different type of player who does have to be managed a little bit differently. And about a chicken pox, uh, a finger fracture that at one point, we were talking, there was, there's been a suggestion that it might have to might have had to have been amputated if they didn't go and get the surgery for it, uh, which is not something not something anyone wants to hear. And then a calf strain, which is a recur- reoccurring injury, which those are sometimes the most frustrating ones, as Tommy Turbo can tell anyone. So, yeah, very much a management case for Josh. Uh, so Manly and Souths will have a hit out this Sunday. Uh, he won't be part of that, but they'll have him... They're aiming to have him on uh, playing some game time on February 17 against the Roosters. And then they're on the plane to Las Vegas four days later. So Josh needs to play in that Roosters game to get himself on the plane. And Manly's cautiously optimistic that he'll be able to do that. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised at all if if they hold him back and say, look, let's get your body right. Let's, Let's just get you get your confidence up, get the training into you, and we'll look at round two when we're back in Australia. There's an extra... It would be almost an extra month worth of training if they didn't take him to Vegas, but they're basically waiting and seeing how the next 10 or so days plays out. 
you get the feeling they'll err on the side of caution on that one and a bit of risk management, which leads me to my final question. All of the clubs, of course, are in your article, but we don't have time to go through them all. But Penrith, the reigning champs, so the club challenge. So it's a different approach for them, obviously. This is one they absolutely want. But is it another season for Ivan Cleary about management, not just this season, but also what's going to come next season and beyond? Yeah, a little bit, Matty. You're right, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, that yeah, I can't overstate how much Penrith want that World Club Challenge. I think the the St Helens upset last year, and it was one hell of an upset. That burns for those guys. So they're going to work out, yeah, that I think they're lining up with Manchester City. They'll have the best facilities going over in the UK. They'll work through that. Uh, last year, I think, was if they can get through that in terms of having an entire club effectively play at the World Cup, come off that, uh, you know, it effectively set their pre-season back about six weeks. They were a slow burn throughout the first weeks of the competition, weren't they? But they ended up with the premiership at the end. And so Ivan, I think, will be looking a little bit towards 2025 in terms of what they do without Jerome Luai, who comes in there. But in the meantime, yeah, they've done the dance before of you know, building towards a premiership and it's not bad being the three-time back-to-back premiers, is it? They're in a great spot again. Yeah, absolutely. Good on you, mate. Appreciate that. As I mentioned, you've covered every club in your uh, questions-to-be-answered list. So we'll get more as the trials of World Club Challenge and preseason continues. And before we know it, we'll be bang straight back into it as Vegas knocks on our door. Thanks for your time this morning, Dan. Thanks, Matty. Anytime. Don't forget, you can win weekly prizes and a major prize of an NRL grand final experience thanks to the brand of hot water that comes on steady, hot and strong, Ream. Just go to nrltipping.sen.com.au. So the start of the tipping season, nrltipping.sen.com.au and some great prizes all the way through, not to mention the big one, the grand final experience. Our mates at Ream are awesome. 0457 736 736. Dougie in Melbourne has a question around the Melbourne Storm. Can the Storm's middle forwards actually dominate for once? The best spine in the comp is useless without good middles says Dougie. So a question from south of the border. In terms of the A-League uh, scenario and what you think the vision should be and what you want from your A-League, A-League can start, says Posty Craig, with getting rid of the bloody VAR. Does my head in. <laughs> okay. Well, on, on a broader sense, Posty Craig, I guess that plays into the entertainment factor, doesn't it? What you want from the game itself. Plenty more of those to come. Also some news around Formula One this morning, which has got nothing to do with on track, but uh, it is very, very sort of titillating for those in the game and may play a, a big part depending on which way it goes because Christian Horner, the boss of the Red Bull team, is under investigation after an accusation regarding his conduct was made by another member of staff at Red Bull Racing. He has emphatically rejected the allegation, which was reported as relating to inappropriate uh, controlling behaviour. So around the control of behaviour, that's it. There's no other details. And Christian Horner said, I completely deny these claims. Red Bull, as in the company Red Bull, which owns the Formula One team, is doing an investigation, which is a workplace allegation and therefore a workplace investigation. So that's it in a nutshell, but it puts 
one of the biggest names in Formula One, especially behind the scenes, right in the frame at the moment. And then everybody's going down the track. Well, what happens if, if Christian Horner gets the bullet here? And what happens if this is found to be really bad? We don't know what's going to happen in an investigation that he's emphatically denied, but absolutely, it would have a huge impact if it ends up going further down the track because Red Bull have been dominant and they'll continue to be dominant for a good couple of years, you would think. So that one's still to play out. And, of course, as the big G mentioned, the supercar scenario with Brody Kostecki still to play out. Um, nothing to bring to the table to that, really, aside from the fact that we know that Brody Kostecki's not going to be there and Erebus is a bit of a mess. Erebus, uh, three major sponsors pulling out. Erebus Motorsport is also moving to offer its members refunds. Coca-Cola have pulled out. Shaw and Partners lawyers have pulled out. Southern Cross Truck Rentals have pulled out. And all have, all have been very vocal about the scenario that's taking place. But nobody wants to dig into, a letter, uh, dig into the detail of why all this has fallen apart. It'll come out somewhere in the wash. Dan says, could this be the first of many just to show the white flag in supercars and give up? Look, Brody Kostecki was going to end up in America at some... Well, he's already been there. He's got backing of the man that owns Boost Mobile, which has a huge presence also in the US. So individual backing from a man with a lot of money. But the Erebus Motorsport team has now lost Will Brown and has now lost Brody Kostecki. And we're in an absolute holding pattern. And uh, we've got two former champions who are willing to speak out and have done so, both of them Kiwis, but McLaughlin and Van Gisbergen have both come out and had their say on social media and both taken aim at supercars in this. So something's going on behind the scenes that nobody wants to talk about just yet. But the net result for those on this side of the fence is there's no defending champ. After losing the defending champ off to America, from the season before. That's the scenario. What about what's going on in the New Zealand versus South Africa test match? Mount Monganui. New Zealand posted 511. Russian Ravindra with 240 off 366 balls. Kane Williamson made a century as well, as he does. Just another one. But then the bowlers have taken, taken delight. Matt Henry with three for. Kyle Jamison with two for. Tim Southey yet to strike. But Mitchell Santner has claimed a wicket as well. So in response to 511, South Africa at the moment is 6 for 93. Day three, the first session, they trail by 418 runs. We're back after this. A very good morning and welcome to our listeners joining us on SENQ. 693 this morning on SEN right around the network. 0457 736 736 is my text line and 1300 011170, if you'd like to come and join our conversation this morning, we've got a couple of things on the agenda in particular that pose questions. You know we love a question or two here. Is then we go in search of answers. That's the cool thing. So do you have one question for your NRL club, either through the trial period or into the season? Just one burning question that you would like answered or you think is going to be a season definer? Let us know that this morning. Already, Shane Flanagan has said to Dragons fans, let's just hold fire in 2024. Let's focus on 2025. Have you got any questions on that side of things? The Broncos, of course, as we know, are ready to lock in Ezra Mann 
and it's part of this two-prong attack to make sure that him and Reese Walsh stay there for a long, long time. Does that answer most of your questions at the Bronx? What about the Dolphins? And, of course, at the Gold Coast. In the Sydney Morning Herald 9 newspapers this morning, Dan Walsh has written an article that poses those questions around the trials in particular. And when he got to the Gold Coast Titans, it was about, of course, the Des Hasler factor. So Des comes in. He's an agent of change. What kind of questions do you think need answered at the Gold Coast Titans? As he mentions, Desi's previous arrivals at a new club, Canterbury in 2012, and then back to Manly in 2019, have come with dramatic overhauls. And the Titans' defence has been long overdue for one. Is that a question for you? Are the halves the questions or the big question around the West Tigers? The Wigan World Club Challenge is front and centre for the Penrith Panthers. But how much does that play into the management of this season and next and trying to continue that winning run? Let us know those questions this morning on 1300-01-1170. The A-League's identity crisis. So the A-League's head honchos have spoken this morning and outlined their vision as they try and recover from where they've been, uh, unfortunately, losing a lot of staff or having to let a lot of staff go. There were a whole heap of mixed messages for me. And what I'm throwing out there this morning is a non-football person, as a non-soccer person, I, I follow it, we cover it, all that kind of stuff, but I didn't grow up playing it. I don't have the skin in the game like you football fans do, so I want to know because the chair, or sorry, the commissioner, Nick Garcia, and the independent chair, Stephen Conroy, have outlined essentially their visions. But Nick Garcia has said the overarching point is we're a football business, not a media business, which is fine. Absolutely fine. But where does the entertainment part of the business come in? They're not a media business. That's why they have media companies doing their broadcasts and all of that stuff. But I would rather hear the overarching point is we're in the entertainment game. We've got to lift our game because we're up against competitors. We're vying for people's dollars. We're trying to get bums on seats. We need to get the football business up and running, absolutely. But the one thing that we can't do is send out a whole heap of mixed messages and have another reset without a clear vision. And they go into their vision about development leagues for men and potential destination leagues for women, but I don't know if it's clear enough. You let me know. If you're just tuning in this morning on 1300 01 1170 on the open line number or 0457 736 736. So it's official five-year contract extension for Ezra Mann until the end of the 2029 season. Holy smokes. The 21-year-old, of course, set the NRL alight. He's made the number six jersey his own, came through the Broncos Academy and the Pathways when he first arrived at the age of 13. Made his debut in 2022 against the Knights. That was round 11. He's now got 38 appearances, so 38 games under his belt. 24 tries, 16 tries. assists. We know what kind of player Ezra Mam is. But this is a massive, massive deal. We're just going into the 2024 season, and they have committed long-term, and he's committed long-term to the club until the end of the 2029 season. So all of the names are being locked in, and this is a huge one. Kevy Walters has said that the retention's fantastic. Another key player locked in for the long term. He's a born and bred bron Bronco, says Kev. And it's great that he's staying where he belongs. An exciting player, but he also likes to get in there and do the tough stuff. 
and to do what needs to be done for his team. We've only scratched the surface on what Ayres can do. I like that kind of talk because he's spot on, isn't he? So that's a real big one. But I do want to go back to that number there of 38 NRL appearances. We've spoken often, and I've spoken directly to a lot of experts in the game, coaches in the game. I remember when Anthony Seabold was working with us here, and Broncos fan, I know that that name will send shutters for a lot of you, but we had the discussion, and I've had it with other coaches, around the number mark here. So when do you feel like you're belonging in the NRL? And essentially the number that most people will give up is 50 games. You get 50 games, 40, 50 games under your belt. I think the average really is actually 40. But if you play around that, then you're starting to feel like you absolutely belong. Now, Ezra Mam's one out of the box, and essentially he's there. 38 games, so essentially he's there. So is a five-year deal worthy for a player who's yet to play 50 games? Or do you make an exception here for a player like Ezra Mam? I'd go the latter. I'd go the latter in this one because it also speaks to the Broncos' long-term philosophy here. But it's a big one. 0457 736 736 is the text line number. Adam White will join me a little bit later on this morning. The third ODI in uh, Monica Oval in Canberra. But the weather may play a part there because there's lots of storms moving through and a fair bit of rain. I think it's 95% chance of up to 40 millimetres of rain in the nation's capital. So let's hope they get through uh, on that one. Of course, the series is gone there, but they normally will get a good crowd. And I'll speak to Adam about what he thinks the ODIs need. What else can you do with the ODIs? They're where they are because of the changing face of cricket. And that's my opinion. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with one-day internationals. It's what's come at them from both sides and, more importantly, what's come at them from T20s. Really, really interesting. Of course, we're counting down to Super Bowl 58. The Chiefs against the 49ers. The teams have rocked into Vegas, so it's showtime. Phil Murphy from ESPN has given us some time this morning, and he's on the line. G'day, Phil. Thanks for your time. What's the atmosphere like over there right now? Well, Maddie, un- unfortunately, it's it's pouring rain here in Vegas, which is a little unseasonable. But I know you're not talking weather report. Uh, it is it is starting to buzz. It is it is really feeling like in the last I don't know 12 hours or so the city's come alive. Now that not only are the players in town, but we are hours away from the first official event, opening night over at Allegiant Stadium, where the players. Uh, select stars get on the dice other players all three players on each roster and coaches are roaming the floor for an hour on each end chatting to media from all over the world and the countdown begins super bowl 58 kicks off in six days give us an insight phil we we're often um blown away by how the players are paraded out in front of the media there well uh, you know it's not look it's it's very, very different, but in some ways it's not. We're, we're used to players being put up to the media here. We're very media savvy with our players and likewise, but it's like an all-in crush, isn't it? It's just bizarre. How do you go about picking who you're going to go and speak to? Yeah, I mean, I, I've covered events all over the world. I've covered a grand final uh, mm-hmm. at the MCG um, for, Austra- for Aussie rules, but it's um, the, the scale is just, for me, what's incomparable. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of media members who are credentialed for this thing, and some want to ask serious questions about the game. Others, they dress up in silly costumes and you know, and ask players questions, and it's 
it really is this um it's a spectacle and it's it's it it, it shows that the, again the scale of this it goes beyond sport yes there's a 60 minute football game to be played but Last year, 115 million Americans watched Super Bowl 58, and again, nine figures um, in the international audience around the world as well. But that number is going to go up this year. It always does. Every year, the next Super Bowl tends to do better than the last. This year, with the the caliber of stars in the game um, and obviously the the Taylor Swift element that's been added to Mm -hmm. it from from the midseason onward has increased the appetite further still. Um, But, yeah, these players, it's – it, it, they're, they're roaming the field and it's um it is an all-out crush i think that's a great way to put it for an hour for each team with an hour of of break in between for all of us to catch our breath so because of the taylor swift effect which has been detailed at length because of the fact that it's the chiefs and the 49ers just everything seems to come together phil for this one to be i mean i, I don't know if you're expecting record viewing numbers but the numbers will be astronomical it feels like everything's come together for one of the biggest ones we've seen. And I'm not talking about the football itself, the game itself. I'm talking about everything that goes with it. Yeah, Matty, I I do think there will be uh, record numbers. But again, the numbers that put up last year were just absolutely staggering. Um, But it is. It's a perfect, perfect storm. And and yes, Mm -hmm. had... Had the Ravens beaten the Chiefs, that would have still been an appealing Super Bowl. The Ravens have star power. Or had the Lions made it to their first and they was looking for much of that NFC Championship game like they were going to, um, there would have been angles and such. But the fact that these teams played in a Super Bowl four years ago, they played a pretty entertaining game in Miami, Super Bowl 54, and now they reset. Different quarterback for San Francisco, still the same under center in Patrick Mahomes and and yes, the Taylor Swift element. I, I joke, but it's not really joking. Last year in America, the top 100 most watched TV shows, not sports shows, TV shows, 93 were NFL games. Another three were college football. And then one of the remaining four was the show that aired after the Super Bowl. I mean, the, the, the scale and, and the appetite, it's as if you, you combined all the sporting codes in Australia into one, truly, and had that level of appetite. So there's very little untapped market for the NFL. It's why they're trying so hard to expand internationally. And the marketing they're doing in Australia, the marketing they're doing in Europe is all part of that. But this Taylor Swift thing is great because some of the few Americans who may not have watched Super Bowl Sunday locally here Monday by you, well, now maybe they'll tune in because they know that their favorite singer is dating one of the players. It's just, (laughs) man, the, the NFL is really lucked into a perfect scenario here to get their their biggest stage, their biggest event, in front of the most eyeballs. I'll tell you what, mate. If I, if I was running the show and I'd done what I needed to do, I'd be checking out after this one because I don't know how much bigger they can get. As you say, the ceiling is almost reached. You know, Are they going to get the perfect storm of the Swift and the Chiefs and everything that goes with it off the back of that after this one? We'll wait and see. One that interested me was the fact that this is that the Chiefs get the Raiders practice facilities, don't they? And I did some digging around that. I mean, we're talking a, a $75 million building, you know, indoor-outdoor fields, meeting rooms, the lot that you guys have there. So the Chiefs get that, but the 49ers get, what, the University of Las Vegas? Yeah, UNLV out of Las Vegas. Um, I mean, it, again, it's, it's, it's not as though there's going to be some sort of, like, groundbreaking prep that happens in this week. At Vegas, the moderate, pretty temperate. It's, I don't know, 10 degrees Celsius right now, a little bit of rain, but it's going to be a little bit warmer and much drier the rest of the week. Really decent conditions to practice indoors or outdoors. 
I mean, you know, maybe the Chiefs will be a little bit more comfortable in their hot tubs, but honestly, I, I don't think it's going to distract or, or diminish the product we'll get on field. Uh, but is you know that that but that conversation is one that's happening. I'm not trying to diminish that, Matt. But it's that that's we 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 break down and we scrutinize every facet of this game. Who's going to hit more traffic today on on the way to media day? Um, you know, with the time they need to arrive and how will that affect them? Those are the type of things that go on because again, it, it's all it all pairs down to a 60 minute game that you can only dissect so much film and look at you know, it goes so much before the the unknown element of what are we going to see next. And as, as you alluded to, man, you know, the perfect storm for the NFL, how can they top this? They always find a way to. And whether that's growing the footprint internationally or getting these unique elements here or, or discovering new stars. And that could be the case if, if Brock Purdy of the 49ers comes out and throws for 300 yards in a win. Well, now there's a new bona fide superstar quarterback in the NFL, and that's been the question about him. Is he environment or is he himself an elite quarterback? We'll get a little bit more evidence on Monday morning, but that that's that's the scale of this game. And, and as, as, as much effort as we put into all of the media events that we cover across all of our sporting codes, this is the pinnacle, this is the summit, and this is where we, uh, we have the most, the most depth of discourse and the most frequent discourse is uh, Super Bowl preparation this year, the 58th iteration of it. Yeah, and every great Super Bowl, Phil, as you know, has a great quarterback storyline. And this one's a beauty. As you mentioned, Mr. Irrelevant there and Brock Purdy and, of course, Patrick Mahomes. Good man. Really appreciate it, mate. Some wonderful insights into there. It's, it's quite a buzz, quite a ripping buzz. And we thank you for letting us know what's happening. And we'll, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, Phil. Matt, look forward to it. Take care. He's a champ from ESPN, Phil Murphy, joining us there. So an insight into what's going to play out, the, the interview process that they'll go through. But then it comes down, our time, 10.30 in the morning, full coverage right here. Jared Waitley and the team over there. So the, the, the plane's headed on into Vegas. Both teams got there. They're following them to the nth degree. But the perfect storm, as, as much as we've you know, poked a bit of fun at it and had all that kind of stuff, but it, it is a perfect storm in, in terms of, what kind of outcome you'd be looking for if you're sitting up there in the in the boss's chair at the yeah. NFL? It, this is got a this is has got to be right up there with the perfect storms for so many reasons. Super Bowl Fifty Eight, Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco Forty Niners. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is my text line. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is my open line. Good morning, says uh, the Iron Bronco. Great news about man signing a long-term deal. Long-term, all right, to the end of 2029. He showed he belongs in the NRL very early. It's not just his attack that has been impressed, but his defence. Just need to wrap up Walsh now. My question for the Broncos, what's the succession plan for Reynolds and who will partner Ezra Mam in the future? Good question, Iron Bronco. I know they're working on a... One year, I think, extension for Adam Reynolds as well. So it's about putting bricks in the wall. There's the money ball aspect. There's trying to juggle. There's the emotional side of it. There's keeping fans happy. But it, it's about maintaining the strength that you've got right now. And for the Bronx, it's about getting to a grand final last year and then locking up the future as well. And those bricks look pretty rock solid to me. Let's take a break. Happy to take your calls on that and texts after this. On the text, Daniel has a question around the Sharks for 2024. He says, what is the Sharks' plan B? If plan A, Nico Hines fails and the opposition have him sorted, who can we revert to?
says Daniel. The Dragons fan says Dragon Boy, who's listening to, uh, to us over in New Zealand, are well aware that this season is mostly about being competitive and we're looking ahead. A lot of players off contract after this year and looking forward to the ride, says Dragon Boy, a, a proud Dragons supporter. Matty, I have a question for you. You said Des Hasler was an agent for change. What does that mean? Are we talking James Bond or Jason Bourne here? That's who, who do we put into the the movie star category if we're looking at Des? Maybe that's one that we could do. Maybe we could line up our coaches this season and try and get their their movie star equivalent or their actor equivalent. What role they could play because Desi could be a Jason Bourne or a James Bond, but he's not going to mess around. My point, Tony, was. <laughs> He's not going to mess around at the Gold Coast Titans in terms of leaving everything as is. Stock standard for any coach going to a new club. And the defence here will be the issue. So if they need an agent for change in that department, Des is their man. I reckon that's going to be one of the really interesting storylines of 2024 to see the Des Hasler era at the Gold Coast. I mean, he's a proven winner, no doubt about it, which would be... Incredible if he could turn that around, that whole ship around. And it's important for the league and obviously important for Gold Coast fans on that as well. Thank you for that. Good question. Um, like all of these questions coming in and A-League as well, we'll be doing that with Daniel Garb. So I'll just hold fire on that. But, but essentially my question around the A-League this morning is what do you want, football fans, the A-Leagues, men's and women's, to be? The entertainment factor has got to be there first and foremost. Because this is not club football. This is not park football. This is not kids football. This is professional domestic league football with a heck of a lot of money going into it and coming out of it. You don't mess around with that kind of stuff. You don't have a long time to mess around with that kind of stuff. And I just wonder how many resets you can go through when the message could be clearer. As Damien points out, yeah, we just covered that, Damien. Ezra Mam just signed five years with the Broncos. Absolutely. Covered it in depth. Appreciate that. Uh, Desi would have to be Nick Nolte or Jeremy Allen from the Bear. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Nick Nolte, that's a good one. I didn't think of that. Okay, we're doing that already, are we? We're not going to park that for coming days. We're doing that right now. Match up your rugby league coach of your club with a movie star. I'm trying to think. We're going to have to get really creative on this one. Who does Wayne... I mean, Wayne Bennett, you know, Clint Eastwood. That's that's sort of by the bar. Pretty par for the course right there. 0457 736 736 is the text line on that one. Uh, India won that second test against England. So it was always going to be up against it. England trying to get the runs that they needed. They had the time. They had a good couple of days or two full days to play with. And we questioned out loud yesterday whether they go the baseball approach or whether they try and wear India down. Now, so hard to win against India in India. We know that. And in the end, the Indians won by 106 runs. I'll just check this series between New Zealand and South Africa at the moment because that test in Mount Mongadui. Um, is pretty interesting. 511 on the board for the Kiwis. And South Africa, who have said they are one partnership away from getting back into the game, need a real big one because they're six wickets down for 109. 
So still trailed by 402 runs. It's day three in that test. And Ravindra making 240 for the Kiwis. Williamson, 118. And the wickets that have fallen uh, belong to Matt Henry, 3 for 22, 2 for 26 for Kyle Jamison, and Mitchell Santner, 1 for 17. So 6 for 109. Talk about a partnership. They will need a massive one. Daniel Garb's going to join us after the news. We'll talk football right here on SEN. Thank you, Vanessa. John from Wallara poses a very good question. Did 2AM slash TV slash Dollars Tommy tip his Tribune readers slash listeners into show some decorum at sale on Sunday? The horse that he is part owner of um, got up and won. No, John, he didn't. Uh, I found out after the event like we're finding out right now. But it leads to a further question. With Tommy departing this week, what happens to the Tribune? There's something we're going to have to talk about. Let's get on to my next guest because I'm looking forward to this chat. There's no global game tonight because of the West Indies v Australia coverage, but Daniel Garb and the team are back next Tuesday with the global game here on SEN. Garby, good morning to you. Hello, Maddie. Nice to talk to you, mate. You too. A fair bit to talk about. Let's start, about, uh, let's start with the Marco Rudan blow up after that loss. Um, I spoke to Broski about this yesterday. I kind of liked it, but he's going to be in trouble off it with a show cause notice. Where do you sit with it? Well, I think there was a little bit of taking one for the team from Mark Rudan. I mean, we know it's been a, a tricky period for the A-League, to say the least. And uh, perhaps while well, the competition is fantastic, the standard of football is really good. Um, some of the crowds are solid. You know, the outside noise and interest in the competition has uh, dulled a little bit. I think Mark cares about the league a lot. And I think he thought, all right, well, I've, I've got an axe to grind here in terms of the decisions in the game, but I'm going off the long run. Let's, let's make a bit of noise. He said that at the beginning of his press conference. He said, let's breathe some life into this league. Uh, he certainly did that. So, look, I think he, in terms of the decisions, obviously you don't want to see referees criticised. Um, we don't condone that at all in, in any sport. But I think he was right. I mean, I, I thought... Valer Germain, who scored the hat-trick and the eventual winner for MacArthur, should have been sent off in the first half. And I think that was a blunder, so I can understand why he was angered by that. And then the winning goal, this is not the referee's fault, but I don't think the ball crossed the line, and we don't have the goal line technology. So that is hugely frustrating. But you can't blame the referees for that. They don't decide which technology goes into a game or not. Um, but I can understand those frustrations. Then the rest of it about there being a stigma attached to his club and people are out to get Western Sydney and stop them from being the big club that came into this competition. That's all personal opinion stuff. And I'm not sure that's the case, but uh, I don't mind him developing a bit of a siege mentality for his club and trying to galvanise them and uh, fighting for his badge and for the people of Western Sydney and for those loyal Wanderers fans. That's what a coach should do from time to time. So I kind of liked it in a perverse manner. I didn't agree with everything that he said, but uh, it's certainly given us plenty of fodder and uh, those sorts of situations in sport from time to time is, is what's necessary to, uh, to lift things up a little bit. So from a, an entertainment point of view, good on him. Yeah, I, look, I agree with everything you've just said. I mean, it makes absolute sense. Take one for the team. There's the passion there. There's the frustration there. Um, you know, it gets us talking. It gets everybody involved. And I've been having a chat this morning around the A-League a leagues and where they're at. And I'll get to that in just a sec. But 
Further, so so then you don't want to you don't want to start questioning the integrity of the officials. That no. that's where you have to draw the line. So, I guess the question now is uh, the show cause notice. What could be the outcome from that? Who knows? But I mean, Football Australia had to to act in that sense. I mean, a lot of fans have said, you know, why is he being penalised? He's speaking the truth. Well, that's your opinion, and you can't have referees' names being dragged through the mud. And, and Marco knows that deep down, and I'm sure there's part of him that, that feels um, a little bit guilty for that, but it was all part of, of what he was doing in the, in the heat of the moment. Uh, yeah, you would think there would be a fine at the least, potentially a suspension. And, and I can understand why Football Australia needs to, to come down and do something in that sense. So I would imagine a fine would be the most likely scenario, perhaps a one-game ban at the the most extreme. Garby, I'm interested in your opinion on the the article this morning. So by Emma Kemp in the Sydney Morning Herald is one of them and speaking to Nick Garcia and Stephen Conroy. And look, I like it when sports come out and give us their vision, especially sports that have had a, a, a few kick in the, kicks in the guts along the way. Um, big chunk of the workforce made redundant at the APL um, trying to get back on board with all of that digital stuff and everything and their, and their broadcast. Everything's in the mixed here. But I've got to say, from a non-football person, but a person who reports on it and watches it closely, I, I don't have any expertise in this area whatsoever. What I would have liked to have seen is them come out and admit that they are an entertainment product and that they need to be in the entertainment business I got a few mixed messages out of the, we're a football yeah. business, not a media business. We're a development league. Um, we're, we're, we're a league for the women's that is potentially a destination league. It seems a little bit muddled for me, and I wonder how many times the A-leagues can do this. It is muddled at the moment, uh, the messaging, for sure. Uh, of course, it's an entertainment business. I think what he was trying to say is we need to focus on the football competition, bring things yeah. back to, to ground zero, if you like, consolidate once more, rather than spending all this money on, on content and a fancy app, albeit one that has, I think, a very astute vision, and I think that had one that has a sound principle behind it and could have potentially been an accelerator for the game, the whole keep-up plan about bringing the entire football community of Australia, which is enormous, but just fragmented together. I like the idea. And sometimes you do have to reach for the stars, and they did that, but they spent too much money trying to do that too quickly. And unfortunately, the game in this country is not in a position where that can be done. You can't just burn through that money and, uh, and think that everything's going to be okay. So they need to get back now to, being, to focusing on the football and letting the other stuff just build slowly behind it. Um, and grow at a reasonable rate. And uh, that has to be the vision and the plan from now on. The decisions that they've made make sense. I think even the people who have been, unfortunately, at the expense of all of this admit that. But the way in which it's happened is just very sad. And it could have been done so differently and, uh, and far better for the game in this country and for the league in this country. And the sad part about it all, Matty, is that the standard of football is actually really good. And the competition is really exciting. It is tense. It is close. You've got big clubs involved. There's five or six contenders for the title. And we can't talk about that enough. And we can't focus mm. on that enough at the moment. And that's really disappointing and a shame for those clubs and the players who are yeah, producing really good content each week. And that is entertaining. You know, it is. It is the entertainment industry. Uh, but they need to focus on that now. 
and if they'd done that from the start rather than going all in on something that was a grand plan but ultimately didn't come to fruition, we'd be in a better place. But uh, all you can do is, is learn and make the decisions that you need to to, uh, to get back to where you need to get to. And that's obviously what they've done right now. And, yeah, it is a kick in the teeth for, uh, for everyone who loves the game. Yeah, and look, I'm a sport lover, mate. First, Just like you, I'm a sport lover first and foremost. We have our own individual sports, but I see this argument here and the emotion around it very similar to, to say, Rugby Union, where there are a lot of people who can't wait to put their foot on the neck and, and twist it as hard as they can. Now, that's the competitive nature of sports. I don't want to see sports kicked when they're down. I want to see them bounce back up. Do you think the analogy to the NBL is the right one here. I get what Stephen Conroy is trying to say, but the NBL created itself a domestic product that knows what it is, in my opinion, and as an effect of being successful in the NBL, you have international reach and therefore the NBA draft and and players going to the NBA, I should say. Do you think that's the right analogy? Because Larry Kesselman did that very, very much individually along the way with a heck of a lot of his own money, is that the yeah. right kind of template to go for or the message to send? It's quite funny. I actually had a coffee with someone literally a half hour ago and I spoke about that exact analogy about the NBL. Now, basketball and, uh, and football are, are in a similar place domestically in Australia in terms of our local leagues, the A-League and the, and the NBL. Um, they're a little bit different in terms of the actual size of the sport. And football is a, a huge sport in this country, as is basketball, of course, but that football's got so many different aspects to the pie in Australia. Premier League lovers, international football lovers. The Socceroos and the Matildas are obviously massive brands. The Boomers just don't play enough um, because of the way international basketball's set up. Um, so that, it's, it's a much bigger um, sport in Australia when you take into account all of those things, participation numbers, even though basketball's incredibly strong. Um, but yes, the NBL has taken, I think, in hindsight probably a more sensible approach in terms of the way they build their league. It's step by step. They acknowledge that they're in the most difficult sporting market in the world. You cannot deny that. Australia is the most difficult sporting market in the world. And the the codes that operate underneath the AFL and the NRL and cricket during the summer, you know, have got to be very careful with the way in which they manage. And if you make one slip up of every code, rugby union, basketball itself, Certainly soccer and others have realised over the journey of the last 20, 30 years or so, one little slip up, you're in big trouble. You go all the way back. You've got to try to build yourself up again. And I think the NBL definitely in the last five to 10 years has gone about things in a a pragmatic, sensible approach and they're in a really good place. The A-League has done that before. I think they tried to reach for the stars recently with, with some plans. They haven't come to fruition. And now you slip back a little bit because it's a mistake. And they've made a few mistakes in, in recent times. And so, yeah, maybe that approach needs to be taken right now. Let's focus on our league. Let's focus on the football. Um, let's be sensible with our spend and build things up in a really pragmatic manner um, to establish a strong position in an incredibly difficult um, sporting climate that is the, uh, the market here in Australia. 100%. Well said, mate. Time, money, direction, perfection. I guess that's what they're all after and what they all need. Um, great to chat, mate. I, I wish we had more time, but I'll let you go. And thanks so much. Have a good day. No worries. Thanks, Matty. Cheers, mate. Daniel Garb joining us there. We'll be back after this break. Your texts and calls and 2am Tommy as well.
On the text line, uh, one text says, the biggest problem with the A-League at the moment, and I'm a die-hard fan, says our listener is the TV deal with Paramount. People just don't know when the matches are on, given there is zero exposure in pubs, clubs, as they don't even offer a commercial deal. I've seen plenty of criticism about that side of it, and there continues to be plenty of criticism on the text line around that side of it, and it's just part of it. Um, Matty, the A-League needs to find itself on free-to-air or Foxtel again. Well, they've got the Channel 10 deal, but Paramount has been a terrible move for the game, says Peaches. Entry needs to be much more affordable for families and kickoff times flexible with the summer heat. We are a development league, which is plenty fine. Um, it's still the most populous junior sport. People will come and watch if it's a good affordable product when they know it's on, which all sounds really simple, Peaches, doesn't it? It all sounds quite simple, and sometimes you've got to strip it right back to the simple scenarios. The deal that they had or have and existing with Paramount was worth a lot of money. Uh, was it the right one? Well, some people say yes, some people say no. I don't have it. I don't watch it. I'm not sure. I can't comment on it. PJ says, one, soccer always loses its best talent overseas and always will. Yep. Um, two, because of one, they will always be behind NRL and AFL impacts growth and casual viewer growth. Three, align the product to being a developmental league for future stars. Four, play at smaller grounds. Five, by playing at smaller grounds, you can play in winter and get better atmospheric games. And six, move to Fox and a better free-to-air partner, even for less dollars, says PJ. Got it all covered there on that one. Your thoughts coming through, uh, including a little discussion point that was raised about coaches and movie stars. So we're going to line up... (laughs) To, to the coaches that are tuned in this morning, um, hope you like what you're about to hear, but take it all in jest. Coach slash movie star. So we're going to line up an NRL coach with the person who you think would represent them in the movie star status. One of our listeners says, oh, it's Big Daz, says Ivan Cleary, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. And this all started by uh, somebody pinning Des Hasler alongside um, James Bond as in the character, or Jason Bourne as well. So happy to do that. The big news out of Brisbane is that Ezra Mam has signed another massive deal, a long-term deal that will keep him at the Broncos until the end of season 2029. And that's a good signing. The Sydney Swans, by the way, have put out a media release. We don't know what this is about, but... They will have announcement an announcement today, I should say, in the club auditorium at the Swans HQ uh, later on this afternoon for a major club announcement. They're saying that's it. That's all we know. Maybe a sponsor deal. Not sure. But we'll follow that right across the SEN network here. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is that open line number. Uh, this text from Matt, before I need to get to the next break, let me preface this text. He says, I subscribe to Optus for the EPL, stand for the Euro stuff, even be in sport for the German and Italian leagues. They're all terrific. I'm sorry, but the A-League package, and by that I mean the coverage, says Matt, the marketing is absolute trash. The games may be good, but no one watches. So, a- again, I- I'm not in the business here of stepping on a sport that that is looking to drag itself back to higher levels and an incredibly popular sport. No doubt about it. With a good product from what most people are saying. But what do they need to be? Where's the identity here in the A-League? A-Leagues. And is it crystal clear in your opinion? Yes, there are plenty who say the broadcast 
isn't good enough. You know what? You'd be saying that probably about other broadcasts as well. So I get both sides of that. Ticket prices, everything's in the mix here. Matty used to be a member of Sydney FC and be part of the Cove. The attraction was Dwight York, and unfortunately the A-League is really lacking the star power. And when it moved from Foxtel, it kind of died, says the Spring Farm Eagle. And the important point to remember here is Foxtel subscription as well. So there's this subscription slash pay TV slash K or whatever you want to call it, streaming service, that's now part of the deal that they've got right now. So we have to take it both ways. We need to take a break. We'll come back and continue with this sporting discussion on this Tuesday morning right here on SEN. Welcome back. Our final hour of the program. You know the numbers, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Of course, pick up the phone, give me a call in this final hour as we've got a lot to talk about. Adam White, as I mentioned before the news, will join me soon and we'll preview tonight's, this afternoon slash tonight's One Day International. Uh, Australia v the West Indies down there in Canberra. Still seven wickets only at the moment. Has there been any any movement in the last couple of minutes or so in the test between South Africa and New Zealand? Not yet. Seven for 129. So keep you across that one. A couple of things on the table. Your, your club's pressing question or your pressing question for your club for 2024. The A-League discussion and the texts that have followed that, I'll get to those in just a sec. But my thanks to Daniel Garb. If you missed it last hour, Garby joined me. We picked our way through the Mark Rudan situation. We also went into where they're at off the back of the article this morning. Um, talking about the vision, essentially, for the A-League, A-Leagues going forward. Uh, I'm not sure that the message is clear enough. We know that there's, they've got their problems, but they've also got plenty of pluses as well. And your texts have highlighted both of those. So happy to take all sides of that. The news out of Rugby League this morning. Um, well, Ezra Mam has been locked in. So every other club and every other club would have been on the table here or at the table if they could get there. Don't worry about it until essentially the next decade because he will be at the Broncos until the end of 2029. 38 games under his belt, five-year deal. You just had to have done it. Don't you reckon? Or do you have an opposing view on that one? And coaches with their movie stars, not not in terms of where you can go down, not in terms of lookalikes, but who do you reckon you would line up alongside your club coach in the movie star world? And we're having a bit of fun with that one. We'll continue to do so with that. And 2am, Tommy will join me. The Sydney Swans, says Brendan, will announce a new sponsor and it'll come straight from Supercars Erebus to AFL Overnight. Um, Coca-Cola was one of the sponsors that pulled out of the Erebus Motorsport in supercars. So um, this is Brendan trying to piece together some dots on that one. Not sure what the announcement is, um, but that's entirely tongue-in-cheek. And for those who are interested in the supercar story, like I said earlier, there's really nothing more to add at the moment to the situation, which I find extraordinary. Now, I get why supercars are wanting to try and keep a lid on this. You know why? The defending champion's not driving. He's certainly not going to be there for the first round and quite possibly he won't be at Erebus and won't be there quite possibly for the season. Now, that is as big as a catastrophe that you could unfortunately wish to see when you pull up the chair as the boss Shane Howard's in charge of supercars and go flick open the old computer first point of order today oh our defending champ's not going to get a drive 
Why? Because there's a blue going on. What, what does this mean? So they've all tried to scamper off in plenty of different directions. And one of the sponsors that's pulled out of Erebus, while saying that, you know, we loved our time at Erebus, that their statements around all of this are disingenuous. The supercars trying to wish Brody all the best, do all this. Erebus are saying, oh, he probably won't be, he's not going to be here for the first round, but da-da-da-da-da. It's Splitsville. And it's an absolute bombshell. Everyone's trying to massage it. And meanwhile, others are all saying, well, when the story comes out, we'll all understand. He's not getting on with the team. He won't get on with the team. And he won't be driving at that team. And when sponsors start to leave, it's a big thing. Why? Because supercars is a sponsor-driven sport. That's what it is. It's stickers at 300 kilometres an hour. And if their sponsors are falling off, they've got a very rich team owner, essentially, in Betty Clemenko. But if their sponsors are falling off, then others will go too. Uh, They've got a real problem here, and somebody's going to have to put it out. There is exactly what's going on. So the punters, who cough up quite a bit, can get their heads around it. Australia, the National Selection Panel, the NSP of Cricket Australia, has named its 15-man men's squad for the T20 series on the tour of New Zealand. So let's run through it. Mitch Marsh, of course, is captain. Paddock Cummins, Tim David, Nathan Ellis, Josh Hazelwood, Travis Head, Josh Inglis, Glenn Maxwell comes back in. Um, Back into action, that is. Matt Short, who's got his hamstring problems at the moment. Stephen Smith, Mitchell Stark, Marcus Stoinis, Matt Wade, D. Warner and Adam Zampa. George Bailey, quoted, has said, Travis, Pat, Mitchell and Steve rejoin the squad following the series against the West Indies. So Jason Berendorf and Sean Abbott are amongst those that will be the standby players for the upcoming T20. Six games provide us the opportunity to look at what we think our World Cup squad will look like. And, of course, Matt Short will continue to be monitored on that one. Also, some breaking news from Michael Karianis. The Newcastle Knights are set to re-sign Adam O'Brien. So, uh, set to agree to a long-term deal. I'm reading this as it lobs in front of me from MC, which will make him the longest-serving coach in the club's history. It's understood that O'Brien will sign for at least the next three seasons after they decided that he was the man to lead them towards the first title at the club since 01. So, his current deal expires at the end of this year. And he will stay until at least the end of 2026 under this new deal. So he's, he's not in Ezra Mam territory <laughs> in terms of the length of the deal, but not bad at all. And good stability for the club. It was a rocky road there over the last 12 or so months. But Adam O'Brien will be there for the long term. And the Newcastle Knights have made that very, very clear. 0457 736 736 is my text line or hit us up on the open line, one 1170 The third one-day international gets underway this afternoon. You'll hear every ball right here on SCN at Monica Oval in Canberra. So what do we get out of this one? Australia v West Indies. The Aussies have already wrapped up the series, but we've seen throughout this summer that the West Indies can deliver a few twists and turns. Adam White will be part of the commentary team. Morning, Whitey. What are you expecting this afternoon? 
Yeah, well, I'm probably expecting more of the same in the sense that we we do think that Australia are, are just too good for this young West Indian team. But I think at the same point, what we're looking for is for some of the younger players to to step up and show that they have got international cricket in them. And uh, I think we've seen that through the first couple of matches. You know, Xavier Bartlett certainly on the first night down in Melbourne. And then I think the the collective performance of, of Will Sutherland the other night with both bat and ball was was very impressive. I'm not getting too excited about what uh, Jake Fraser McGurk did with a, with a couple of uh, big shots at the start. I think he's got to do more than that. But even some of the stuff that Josh, Josh Inglis did in the first game when he got the chance to open the batting. So I think this is all about opportunity. It's a long time until the next World Cup. It's not as long until the next Champions Trophy. And I know the Australians are already planning for that. So there's definite meaning internally for the Australians, these matches. It's not a, seen as a waste of time by any stretch of the imagination. It probably just hasn't quite captured the imagination of the Australian public as much as one-day cricket has in the past. Let's start with the openers because there was a fair bit of debate the other night at the SCG when Jake Fraser McGurk comes in and he's given his cap and goes obviously straight to the order. And as you as you mentioned, uh, to the top of the order, as you mentioned, he only lasted five balls, but it was almost worth the price of admission, which is another <laughs> which is another point. However, Matt Short, I mean, I had so many people on the text line, why do you say to us, why isn't Matt Short opening? Why, 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 why? The fact of the matter is now he's not going to be there because of a hamstring problem. So Fraser McGurk gets his chance again. Do you reckon this time around the Australians say to him, listen, let, let's build and then get the fireworks going or do what you do? I think it's very much do what you do. That's why he's been picked. He's been picked to see whether the way he plays can stand up to the heat of one-day international cricket. And there's there's two parts of this. There's obviously the the um, the opposition isn't particularly strong. So it's almost like playing a, a state game in a lot of ways. That's the level that the West Indies are at. But I think it's more coping with the pressure of who his teammates are, the likes of Steve Smith and Marnus Lawashain and Josh Hazelwood, the, the pressure of um, just playing for your country. Are you actually going to be able to play the same way? So I think that's the first part with Jake Fraser McGurk. And I think with Matt Short, it's a really, really interesting discussion. Now, as I understand it with Matt Short, what they're saying to him is, we know that you play your best cricket in white ball opening the batting, whether that's for Victoria or whether that's for the Adelaide Strikers. But there's no spot in the team at the moment as an opening batsman in white ball cricket for Australia. We've got other options that we will use ahead of you. But... There is an opportunity, potentially, in the middle order to be a regular player. So rather than waste these opportunities um, where we just go and do what we would normally do with Matt Short, let's see whether we can re-engineer you as a middle order player so that whether it's Tim David's spot or whether it's Ashton Turner's spot, who's used used that role before uh, in international cricket as a number five, six, maybe even as a number seven, that can come out there and score, you know, 40 off 20 balls um, at, from the 40th over mark or from the 38th over mark. Because I think that's the, the spot that Australia are looking for in, you know, sort of next generation. And maybe that is going to be Matt Short. So that that's why they're trying this with Short, because clearly he'd prefer to open the batting. But I think at the same point, clearly he'd prefer to be playing for Australia than not playing at all and waiting for a Steve Smith to retire 
waiting for a Josh Inglis to fail opening the batting because that's kind of um, the person that they want to give the opportunity to. Now David Warner is no longer in the team. Which is where Australia has that uh, luxury of having the squad first mentality versus somebody like the West Indies who have so many young uh, players just trying to piece together a competitive team against this kind of outfit. Speaking about players who, who look like they're made for the squad. Will Sutherland made his debut at the SCG. I know you spoke to him last night. Such an impressive character. He's only 24 years of age. He just seems built for international cricket, both physically and mentally. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the best way of describing Will Sutherland's cricket is the fact that he can do everything, including leadership. Um, you know, given the Victorian captaincy on a full-time basis, as you said, at, at just 24, when they've had Peter Hanscom doing the job really well uh, for quite some time in Victoria, it just shows what Victoria think of Sutherland's character um, and his ability, I guess, to perform under pressure and just his understanding of the game. Now, we're you know, talking before about Matt Short and the role that he might play for Australia moving forward. Sutherland's a really interesting one because he is one of probably five or six all-rounders uh, around the country that could all play, I think, for Australia. Um, and it's just a question of where they all fit in. Um, because I would say, and, and Matt, you watch um, New South Wales cricket probably closer than I do, You know, Sean Abbott showed the other night that he's not just a bowler, he's probably a bowling all-rounder. And I yeah. still think that Will Sutherland falls into that category as a, as a bowling all-rounder at this stage in his career. He would like to be, I think, a better batsman. He'd like his output to be a little bit better with a bat. But being 24, he's still got some time. But then when you've got the likes of you know, Aaron Hardy putting his hand up to play for Australia, certainly Cameron Green in that all-rounder role, um, there's so many of them at the moment. It's, it's hard for everyone to fit in. So what I liked about Sutherland the other night was with his ability to bowl, can he be the third seamer in the Australian team? And I'm even thinking potentially down the track in test cricket as well. He's very disciplined, so he doesn't have the airspeed of some of the other players, but he's very crafty and, as I said, very disciplined, and we saw that with the way he bowled the other night. And the other part of the all-rounder debate, as Ricky Ponting has pointed out, is the fielding aspect as well. I mean, all-rounders these days have to be able to bat, bowl and field just as well as anyone. Abbott can do it. He took two very good catches the other night. Will Sutherland can do it. He took a good catch a couple of feet off the ground, which puts him into the stratosphere. He's such a big bloke. So you're definitely right there. They tick all the boxes. Ben McDermott called in with no Matt Short. McDermott's been around the international scene for... For six years now, which which I had to double check when I was checking that this morning, but yeah. he made his debut back in 2018. So again, they can go to the well. Um, McDermott will probably get a start this evening. Um, what do we expect from him? Six one days next to his name. We well, certainly hits the ball extremely hard. That's what he does, and can clear the fence. Uh, very similar to, to Jake Fraser McGurk in that sense. Look, he just got a hundred the other day for Queensland. So. Um, he's in form, so I understand that selection. And even when you look, uh, you know, as a reference point to what's been going on in the Marsh Cup, which is the, the domestic one-day competition, he's been doing well. So I'm, I'm comfortable enough with that selection. And I, I think that's the thing for the people that are, that are listening to this conversation, uh, that are contemplating whether they go to the game uh, down in Canberra today or just watch it on television. We've just got to understand this is what it is. It's, it's kind of generation next when it comes to the Australian team 
for these guys that are coming in, th- there is purpose to this, and and they are really good players. And this is all about a almost like a fact finding mission for the Australians to see what the team might be in four years for the next World Cup, what the team might be, as I said, for the Champions Trophy. And these are the opportunities that these players, they've got to take them um, while there's spots up for grabs and there's a bit uh, a bit of uncertainty about what the future of the Australian one-day cricket team looks like. There's a bit of uncertainty with the weather, mate, in Canberra. 23 well, well, I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> All right, let me give you the official forecast, right? So cloudy, very high chance of rain, all that. But when you look at the details, you're looking at up to 45 millimetres of rain and 95% chance of of something falling falling from the sky. If that stays away or doesn't bother you you too much, you get a good crowd there. I mean, there's 13,000, I think, maximum at Monica, and it's a a Tuesday night. You know, they'll, they'll get a good crowd under lights there. But it does lead us to the discussion that we had yesterday on this program about where else do you reckon you can give bang for your buck for your spectators at One Day Internationals? It's a separate argument, Whitey, to where ODI sit in the international schedule or the game itself. But if you're forking out 100 bucks to go to the SCG the other night and you want more than the cricket, what do you think Cricket Australia can do for the, for the fan? Well, that's a good question. So I, I think from a Cricket Australia point of view, they need to relook at how they are ticketing these matches and the overall potential packages that can be put together for an Australian cricket summer. And then I think from a from a what what else can be done for the fan, I think it's more about what the ICC can do in putting together a, a situation where there is context around every one-day international that's played, similar to what is being set up with the World Test Championship, that you see the qualification for a World Cup, it's either a ladder or something like that, where, where the, we're just not playing it for the sake of playing it. So I think that's an ICC thing. What I mean by the ticketing point of view... I think we've got to start looking at things like they do in the AFL and, and also the NRL, where you might be able to buy, a, a, say, a Cricket Australia membership package, which entitles you to a day at the Test match, three big bash matches, and a one-day match for the year. And that, that's, a, that's a set price that's not particularly expensive, um, but it gives you a chance to be able to sample all three forms of the game. And it might be a situation that you are automatically a member of the Cricket Australia family if you play local cricket or if your children play junior cricket. That that's part of a package deal where you can get, um, you know, as I said, a yearly pass to go to the cricket. And I think if you start looking at it that way, we might start to get more people going to the game or sampling the game. Because I feel what's happened, Matt, is that when it comes to one-day cricket, it's certainly become the, the, the third preference of people because of BBL cricket, you know, being seen as a, a family activity, being seen as something that's sort of, you know, it's done in three hours as opposed to one day cricket, which is seven hours. How do we get people that are prepared to go along? I think if you if you start saying, oh, well, it's, you know, premium tickets $120, well, you've got to then multiply that out because it's usually something you take your family to. Too expensive, way too expensive, and people just won't go particularly if it's a school night, which was the case in Sydney on Sunday night, and if it's a junior cricket night, which was the case with, uh, with Melbourne on Friday night. And obviously tonight, it's a, it's a school day in Canberra. I think they've just got to be a little bit more clever in the way that they entice people to, to go to these games, or at least 
sample one-day cricket. Because I love one-day cricket. Um, but I think if you're looking at things at the end of the summer and saying, hey, it's $100 to go, um, I'm thinking I'm watching it on television. Mm, I like the idea, mate. I really like the idea. They've got the package there. They've got T20s, they've got ODIs, and they've got test matches. So why not package them up to your idea? I'll throw that out to our listeners this morning. Have a good call this afternoon and this evening. Looking forward to it, mate. Enjoy it. No, thanks, Sam. It should be a lot of fun. Let's hope the rain stays away or, or comes and goes before the cricket starts. <laughs> Welcome back. The NRL's announced that Jessica Malboy will be the headline act at the All-Stars in Townsville. So Friday the 16th of February at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. So the big star will be Jessica Malboy and tickets are available from nrl.com slash tickets. $35 for adults, 95 for families. So two adults and Two children, always a popular performer. Maddie, could you tell me on behalf of a tight-ass mate who doesn't have KO when the next free-to-air cricket broadcast will be on TV, says Paramat. Well, for you, Paramat, or should I say your mate, um, you have to keep on going. You've got to keep, keep, keep going. But there is coverage tomorrow of the Australia v South Africa ODIs in the women's, so the second ODI is still available on free-to-air on Channel 7 and also on KO and Foxtel as well. So, but in the men's, and by the way, the third ODI also on 7 as well, but then the men's, you just got to keep on scrolling, mate, and you'll be scrolling forever. And remember, too, that, well, the only test match between Australia and South Africa women will be on the free-to-air platform. Remember, too, that Amazon Prime start coming into action with their ICC uh, contract along the way. So that starts coming into play. Uh, the Under-19 Men's Cricket World Cup final will be on Prime. I know that much. And then the big deal as we head towards the next cycle will go into Amazon. Um, that's just one of those points of difference that's coming our way. But I get your point, Paramat. And it's uh, women's cricket coming your way on free-to-air and then a, a fairly sizable gap in the men's cricket. We need to go to the news. We'll continue that conversation. And in your text as well, got plenty coming through off the back of my chat with Adam White. Supercars, uh, the lot. Um, A-leagues, absolutely everything. Let's do the news first. Thank you for that, Vanessa. Last half hour of the show. Uh, look, I've got a few text messages around uh, the inquest into the passing of... Um, Manly player Keith Titmus. Now, we've been following this, obviously, through our news, and I think that's where we'll continue to let this one take its course. I uh, saw Manly CEO Tony Mestroff yesterday address the cameras after day one of that inquest. Um, it's very, very difficult scenario all round. So I think that we owe it to all of those involved, and um, Keith Titmus himself, obviously, who passed away in such tragic circumstances to not hear and sit here and comment on that one will let that investigation and that inquest I should say take its course throughout um, the process um, John here Maddie I'm a 10 year old 10 years still going on Wanderers members so you've been there for 10 years as for Marco's comments to a certain degree I a certain extent I agree with him we have no professional referees. They're all amateur as fans. We just want the games refereed the same. As for the TV rights, Paramount Plus has ruined the coverage, says John. Even your colleagues, uh, Robbie and Bozza, have said this. Thank you for that, John. Just touching, says Stu, on the topic of how to get more people to the ODIs. 
it's the only game I go to each year, and I've always said sports marketing should be easy. Next year will be a premium with India coming out, so it will be difficult to get the tickets I want. So why not offer them this summer as a sweetener to get more people this year? I.e., come this year and you get offered the same seats next year. I think they should do this every year anyway, but that's just me, says Stu. Yeah, that's another one out of the box. That, that's another different way of looking at it. I, I just wonder too, is ODI, the, the crowd number which we focus on, is it, is it is where it is because that's what that, that, that's the that's all people want to see. I mean that, that's as many people as they're really going to get because I wonder whether if you halve the price I said if you halve the price of the tickets, yes, it's going to be beneficial. but is it going to double the crowds? No, I don't think so because there's so much more to it at the moment of where ODI sit. and again, a one day international if it was tonight, Australia of the India packed. Forget about it. Just packed. You know that that's going to be the result. A one-day international tonight, Australia v West Indies, not going to be packed. You charge $100 for a ticket against India, still going to be packed. It's one of those weird ones. I wonder whether just the one-day internationals, while I think they've got a good place in the cricket calendar and schedule and the cricket conversation, times have changed. And more people want to go watch T20s and they're obviously making sure that Test Cricket continues along its way. The update in the Sheffield Shield. So the situation at the Wacker is that New South Wales need 105 runs to win. So one for 77 in their second dig, New South Wales. Western Australia, 256 and 176. Um, New South Wales, 251 and one for 77. So needing 105 to win that one. Matty, considering the season starts in about two weeks, the suits, says OJ at Supercars, must be all hiding under their beds. The current champion doesn't want anything to do with the joint. You've got both SVG and Scotty Mack hammering Supercars about how they treat drivers and sponsors are leaving in droves from last year's championship team. Who's going to be the first so-called hierarchy to walk the plank, says OJ. Well, look, again, OJ, we're coming at it from from outside on this one because we don't know the reasons why Brody Kostecki's not driving aside from the fact that he's had a fallout with the team. And the way that you're, if I'm reading your text correctly, you're, you're pointing the finger here at supercars itself. Now, supercars haven't handled this situation as good as what they should have. And that's where the criticism from Scott McLaughlin in particular has come from. SBG kind of blamed everyone for the relationship or the, the scenario that he found himself in back at Stone Brothers and Erebus, all that stuff. So is this a supercars problem? It's a problem for them to deal with for sure. Is it an Erebus and Brody Kostecki issue? Yes. It's a problem out of that team. That's where it's come from. But the reality is you've got a sport without its current champion driving. And to your point, you've got two former champions, one the most current before Brody, who's now in the US. He's not driving. Love him, hate him, or indifferent on Shane Van Gisbergen. He was the biggest thing they had. He's not here. Before that, Scott McLaughlin. He's not here. So now they're in this scenario where they're going to have to work out how on earth 
They keep everything moving. And I don't think they've got to that point just yet. Uh, G'day, says GC. The Aussie public are getting ripped off. We just won the World Cup. And other than Warner, we should be putting our best team on the park. Stop giving players a go and give the fans the best. Rotation and management, GC, as you well know. Damien says, Matty, Super Rugby and A-League have the same issue when dealing with pubs. Being hosted on a streaming platform, the coverage just ends after a game. Both the NRL, NRL and AFL have live channels via Fox, so the coverage just continues all day, every day on screens. It's something so simple, but on top of the NRL slash AFL's popularity, the 24-7 channel is the reason why it's always on at pubs. I was always having being asked to put Stan Sport on at pubs for rugby. It can be on the screen all day, every day, says Damien. So getting there and getting out in front of the public is one there. Matt, is it right Ezra Mam signed with Brisbane for $3 million over five years? If his form gets better, who's got the better deal here, Mam or Brizzy? By all accounts, what you're saying is uh, he potentially a million-dollar-a-season player, but is that after five years or before? I have to do all the numbers there, but I think it's... I'm <laughs> The, the numbers are fine in terms of million-dollar player at the back end of his career there and all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is here that they've locked him up for the next five years. That's the key to all of this one. And then, you know, there'd be back-ended deals. There'd be all sorts of um, ways that they slice that pie. But the pie is there until the end of 2029. All you can eat. Uh, coach slash movie star, Matt says, <laughs> Fitzy looks like that bloke Matt Lucas from Little Britain. <laughs> Des could be the doc in the Back to the Future movies. Ricky Stewart, Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> oh, dear. I told you that there'll be some absolute left fielders. Let's go to the break. 2AM Tommy with his thoughts after this. Welcome back. On the text line, the Spring Farm Eagle. Always good to hear from you. Uh, Matty, unfortunately, my point of view says, I believe supercars is dying. I think the way to fix it, if possible, is to use the same vehicles they have in the Bathurst 12-hour and a lot more people would follow it since Ford and Holden no longer exist apart from Bathurst. It is dying. I don't think it's at that stage yet, but they've got their problems and they've had their problems, Spring Farm Eagle. I think the biggest thing about motorsport is that it's world championship at shooting itself in the foot across many, many categories. And supercars in particular are very, very successful when they have star power because from star power you get stories and you get heroes and villains and you get people who the fans want to reach out and touch. I would say to you at the moment, where's the star power? Supercars are successful when they've got rivalry. And you mentioned the Holden and Ford. Those days are gone. But rivalry leads to competition, leads to buy-in from from fans. It's us versus them. And supercars are really successful when they've got good racing, which is the entertainment factor and what it all boils down to. When the NRL sits there and looks at, at its game and there's not enough tries, there's not enough points, there's not enough ball in play, they change it. When supercars look at their racing, do they go... Is it good enough right now as an entertainment product at our racing? Our racing is good. But perhaps they need to do more. Star power, rivalry, racing. Get in all that and you're back where you need to be. 
But you would have to say that, in particular, the star power at the moment, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I might be wrong. Now, 2AM Tommy is in the chair. Now, you're not going to throw your coins on the table here. You're just going to rub it in. When you win, rub it in. Because we had a text from a listener, Tommy, mm-hmm. who asked if show some decorum. Your horse, which you tagged the morning show horse, yes, got up and won on the weekend, but you didn't tip us. So your intro today, you can gloat. Okay. Go for it. Thank you. It's still Estra Paz, the fence, Lumber Punk. Now shows some decorum looming up on the outside. It's taken him the length of the straight, but he's coming away the favourite now, and it's going to be too good for them. Show some decorum wins. Red Phantom got going late. It's in a very close that was Saturday. it. That was at sale that, on that was it. Sunday afternoon, 1,400-metre race, ridden beautifully by the great Benny Allen, trained by Anthony and Sam Friedman. Now, apologies, yeah. Maddie and the listeners, because I, I remember I had it in my notes on Friday. In my final two cents yes. on the show, I said, make sure you plug show some decorum. Because whenever it races, I always like to give a tip to the listeners. However, I think maybe my saving grace here will be by the time it ran on Sunday, it was about $2.05. And so I know a yep. lot of our listeners like value. So maybe they wouldn't have jumped on. I, I mean, I jumped on on Friday. I thought it was going to drift a bit more. I got on it at 240. It ended up coming in at 205 just before the jump. Or perhaps you kept it secret to the masses. Yes. So there wasn't a plunge and the number didn't go down. I mean... And also, if it lost, I wouldn't have to bring it up and people wouldn't remind me about it. (laughs) (laughs) But good. Well done. So that was 1,400. So races between 1,200 and 1,400. Yes. Sorry, that was 1,200 on the weekend. But it races, yeah. It's it's, it's sweet spot between 1,200 and 1,400. Okay. Is there what what is what's the aim here? I don't know. Uh, we'll have to get Sam Friedman on the show. Maybe get his thoughts. Oh, I was going to say, you know that you know that Everest is twelve hundred. I know. Just putting it out there. We'll speak to the other owners. Um, you've been speaking yeah. about NRL coaches and their you know actors alike, whether whether or not they look alike or kind of they're just persona. Um, Ricky Stewart. I'm going to go with one Alec yeah. Baldwin. Very known to have an outburst here or two, Alec Baldwin. It was really, really big yeah. in the 80s and 90s. I think Ricky is still big, but that's when his heyday was. Des Hasler won here. Keanu Reeves. They both have terrific <laughs> sets of hair. And I think they're both... I know Des can have an outburst, but he doesn't really... You know, you know when he's speaking to the press, like he doesn't yell. He's not like Ricky. He doesn't yell. He's kind of just kind of mumbles. And so I think he's, he's pretty cool, pretty laid back. And one guy for me, Trent Robinson, so my Roosters coach, I'll say Sean Penn, the two-time Academy Award winning actor, Sean Penn. About 10 or so years ago, he was kind of in his limelight, Robbo. And I think there needs to be a little bit of a comeback here for both Robbo and Sean Penn. I'm tipping a big 2024 for Robbo. They need to make the prelims, maybe win a comp. Maybe Sean Penn can get back in the limelight too. So Sean Penn for Trent Robinson. I like him. Tommy says the reptile, you're going better than that world famous in his own head, Greg from Gundagai. <laughs> well, hang on. Greg from Gundagai um, was tipping. Yes. That's the thing. Tommy was part owning and betting, but not tipping. Yeah, well, That's I, the part. I usually do tip, but I simply just forgot on Friday. But my saving grace, I think, is I think I'm a lot of the listeners it. like the value. And if it lost, 
no one would have brought it up. I wouldn't have brought it up. We wouldn't be talking about it if decorum lost. But thankfully it won, so now Listen, I get to rub it in. We've only got a couple of minutes, and, and this is something that we're really going to have to dive into tomorrow. But we, we told our faithful yesterday that you're heading to Greener Pastures. This is yes. your last week with us. Yes. Um, and all that, all that will come out in due course. But it does pose the question about Tommy's Tribune. Mm. Are you planning on taking Tommy's Tribune with you when you leave the building? Or have you got something at at play that we could roll Tommy's Tribune into? Yeah, so look, I, I I always had in mind when I created Tommy's Tribune, you know, just in my, you know, in the basement here at SEN, it's a publication for the people, Matty. You know, it's created. <laughs> that That's not published. It was created for the people, by the people, with the people. Yes. And it's a publication for yeah. the people. So therefore, I will leave it here at SEN. I think we need to come up with a new name, maybe the morning... I don't know, morning bulletin. It's got to have some alliteration there, See, so morning something. So maybe we can get the listeners reckon, over the next two days to come up with a nice name, a nice tagline for the new Tribune name. Personally, I think the name lives on. Okay. Because if you remember, I gave it the name. Yes, did you I did. Not? Yes, you did. Um, so <laughs> the IP, I reckon, is going to hang with me. So when, you know, when <laughs> we finally sell it out to the Murdoch clan yes. and you've left us and gone off into your new world, then... You, you'll be wondering, well, whatever happened to Maddie? Whatever happened to the Tommy's Tribune? And then you'll see it pop up in, you know, somebody's bil- some billionaire's world and, and I'll have sold it. So uh, my personal opinion, but I'm happy to take the, li- the listener's lead on this, mm-hmm. is that we continue with it as Tommy's Tribune, as a legacy to your good self. I, I agree. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I and think it's a great idea. All the editorial thought processes that go alliteration and bad rhyming and all that kind of stuff stays there as the principal ideas behind the Tribune itself. You happy with that? I think it's a great idea, Matty. Yeah, and ownership remains me. Happy with that? That's non-negotiable. Thank you. Let's go to our final break. Bit of a weather heads up from Simon from Balgownie. Matty, just looking at the live radar around Canberra, it looks promising for the ODI today. And that forecast heavy rain must have already moved through Um, The way that he is reading it, having a a great day, mate. Thank you for that. Yes, so 2 o'clock for our Sydney listeners. 1 p.m. is the start of the coverage for our Queensland listeners of the third ODI at Monica Oval in Canberra, which means that Jimmy Smith coming up has a two-hour show ahead of you. Jaleesa Apps and Steve Renoff, the Pearl, will be on the program. So coverage of the uh, ODI coming up straight after that. Thank you for that, Simon. I really appreciate that. Mark from Red Bank says, mate, for me, the actor to play a coach would be Clint Eastwood, of course, to play Wayne Bennett. That, that was kind of our biggest no-brainer of the day, but you do do a very good summary of it. Excellent in their fields, their longevity, they don't say much, they get the job done, and they're both elder statesmen. Thank you for that. So big news today, Ezra Mam signing a five-year extension to remain at the Broncos until the end of 2029. Of course, Adam O'Brien re-signing as well with the Newcastle Knights. Lots of footy talk coming your way with Jimmy Smith. Stick around, enjoy, and we'll do it all again tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. Bye for now.